Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Abari, my co-host, Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends over at Expand the Box Score. So, week two is kind of in the books by the time you hear this. Just for a little disclaimer, we are recording this Monday morning due to some scheduling conflicts we have this week. So, there may be some big news from the two Monday night games this week, so we will not be talking about that. So, our apologies for having uh, two games, four teams not to discuss, but it be what it be. So, Walk, how are you? Where you want to get started? It, it definitely be what it be, John, right? And I don't <laughs> think there's going to be a, a significant amount to have to discuss between this Saints at Panthers and Browns at Steelers games, both carrying totals under 40. Um, so, barring injuries, I don't think there's going to be any you know, uh, aha moments from those teams. And NFL, what are you doing? I mean, these games are an hour apart. We're not even really trying to capture, like, the entirety of Monday night anymore. We're just spamming football on Monday so that ESPN and ABC can battle it out for which one of these low-scoring games is better. And spoiler alert, it's going to be the Brown-Steelers game, you know, just because it's a good division. Not that they're not both division, but we're talking true, like, division rivalry between the Browns and Steelers. So, Little confused as to what they're trying to pull there, but look, yeah, they've some... done a terrible job scheduling forever. I bitch about it every week, especially when the buys hit. And they're like, "We have two afternoon games and eight in the morning." You, you <laughs> bastards! Mixed, you know, people would be well, much happier with four and four, two at night. You know, spread this shit out, make it a whole day of football, but. Uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I saw I saw somewhere, I don't know what broadcast was on, but they literally are now blaming it on AI. AI is the one who comes up with all the machinations of the schedule <laughs> for the NFL. So it's not even a human being to blame anymore. It's I mean, AI. the thing it's, is, uh, once the schedule's done, right, they know who's playing each other each week. It's not hard to bump a game late. <laughs> I don't think people would even care, right? Like, you're you're an East Coast guy. You're in Philly. Nobody there's like, oh, it's a four o'clock game. It's probably even better. <laughs> you can t- yeah, start tailgating yeah. at fucking noon instead of getting up at six a.m. Yeah, it's but yeah, there's a but then you really can't do one o'clock games on the West Coast. Well, one o'clock East games. So you're not doing nine a.m. games or sort whatever ten a.m. games. Well, no, they. I mean, they never do. So, West Coast has to be four o'clock. So that's that's what the that's what the issue is, is that the West Coast games are all locked into being four o'clock games unless they're prime time. So they need which is to fine. Fill, but yeah, you need, need to, to put some of the one o'clock slots. Yeah. There's no reason the Bears or Tampa or you know, anyone pick pick a team, Carolina. There's no reason you can't play at 4 p.m. It's fucking I, whatever. We're getting off topic here. It makes me sick. I hate them. John John hates the NFL. Yeah. We're, we we're really here do. talking about yeah, we're, we, this podcast is all about football, but we hate the NFL. So my kids asked uh, me the other day, what, what's your favorite sport? And they're like, it's it's football, right? I go, listen, 
I only do watch this shit to do my podcast and write articles and try to make money. I go, the actual viewing experience for me is worse than any other sport, but I'm, I'm boxed in here. Uh, is it hockey? Is it hockey for you? Probably now. I, 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 yeah, I now that like my son's still. playing baseball and good at it, I'm getting really back into baseball. But uh, yeah, I mean, football's in this set. You know what I mean? It's not my viewing experience is not pleasant. It's out of necessity. No, good to know. <laughs> you know, well, we're happy to. That's have why I like red zone. Yeah, I like so. red zone and not having all the additional nonsense that goes on in a regular broadcast. Yeah, I mean the irony, right, of distilling football down to just the most important plays because it's you know fantasy football is really the engine that powers <laughs> the NFL is yeah, gambling. Yeah, you know, it is pretty interesting and and big gambling. Yeah, right at this my, point, since. We're going to keep bitching here and go on this tangent. That's one of my favorite things to see happen in real time. Like they had an event in Vegas a couple of years ago. Well, well that was the first thing. First, they, they filed lawsuits against the casinos for even saying the word Super Bowl years ago. So they had to have these Super Bowl parties turn into the, the big game. So you go to like the sports book and yeah, all the sheets say the big game. And if they had a party, it was the big game. They were banned from using the word Super Bowl. And then there were like certain events that had fantasy stuff and they were kind of talking about gambling. I think see either Mayfield or Dak Prescott, somebody was involved with one of them. And the NFL said, no, you can't even can't even put your face near that in the casino. And they had to cancel it. And then now, yeah, now that they're getting a slice of the pie, they're like, welcome to the NFL brought to you by DraftKings and MGM Sportsbook. It's like, you scumbags. Yeah, dude, it's, the, it's the almighty dollar. And listen, if if Vegas was smart, they would just call it the Soup or Bowl S O U P and sponsored by Campbell's. Come on, there's ways around all of this. We could have we, we could found a way to put a thumb in the eye of the NFL and still call it the, the superb. Super you ever see the superb owl? That's what yeah. uh, some people. Yes, there was I a. Like it. I love. There was it. a monorail somewhere, and that's where they cut the letters off unintentionally. Wow. So that yeah, there was some memes about you know. Fantastic uh, yeah, owls. There's there's ways around everything. But hey, we don't have to worry about that anymore. NFL is just adding another zero to the win com. All right. And that win is billions and billions of dollars. Oh boy. So, but hey, this is what we're here to talk about. The NFL, right? So John already noted, you know, this is we're recording this Monday afternoon east. Um, as my travel schedule will not allow me to record uh, for the remainder of this week. And we still want to get something out. To everyone, so we're gonna go through the games that were completed. You know, just give a quick, uh, high level anything that stood out to us there, run through our rookie report. Then we're gonna do some sleepers for the week, and then we're gonna get out of here, right, Johnny? Yes, sir. So, all right, get into the games, whichever order you want. I'm just gonna rock top down on my uh CBS Sports app, right? So, starting off was the Green Bay Packers headed to the Atlanta Falcons, where they lost 25 24. To the two and O Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, we we talked a little bit before we started recording. Uh, Jordan Love walk is walk is not there on him yet. I think he is inching up into that top sixteen, top half of uh, NFL quarterbacks. The thing that I, I I didn't bring this up uh, earlier when we were talking, but the thing that's interesting is if Jordan Love hits, 
and the Packers have done this now two in a row, if you count Aaron Rodgers and now Love. I, I wonder if NFL is a copycat league. I know they want to get these rookies out there right away. I wonder if we see it kind of reverse the trend and go back to the way things used to be, where even these first rounders, eh, they give them a little leeway to get their legs under the NFL. I, I think more often than not, it is detrimental to their development because a lot of the guys that come in that are early first round picks, they're going to shitty teams that probably have shitty offensive lines and garbage weapons. I mean, you're really asking a guy to do a lot unless you have a ton of free agent money and you can make that a good line and bring in a ton of free agent wide receivers and give them weapons because there's, they have nothing to gain. You know, the, the, the thought is, the contract, you could stretch that out and get to a Super Bowl and then not have a bunch of money tied up on that rookie deal. Oof. I, I just have always preferred these guys sit. There's obviously a few along the years that just hit the ground running and are ready. And if they prove that in camp, that's fine. Let them do their thing. I mean, shit, Russell Wilson was a third-round pick and was supposed to be behind, what, Matt Flynn had a big free agent contract. So if a guy proves himself in camp and you go, yeah, this guy's ready, but anybody who's got any development to do, it's fucking nuts to throw them out there and, and cross your fingers. Cause you could end up uh, with Derek Carr's brother. What's his name? David, David, David yeah. Carr may have been good. We'll never know. But mm-hmm. when you let the guy get fucking crushed for two years, how, how's he ever going to develop? So I, I, I want love to be good. And I would like to see how that affects the rest of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, Obviously, perfect world, right? Love was clearly a developmental project coming out of Utah State. And the irony is all three first-round quarterbacks broke campus starting quarterback this year for their teams. One just picked up a concussion this week and is probably going to miss a week. Another in uh, C.J. Stroud supposedly has a shoulder injury, but they still let him throw it 150 times yesterday. And then uh, Bryce Young hasn't played week two yet, and he's probably the most likely to get hurt of all of them, being that he's like 190 pounds and 5'10". But, yeah, the end. The, we don't wait for anyone anymore in the NFL. It's get out there on that rookie deal. You're right. We, we have five years cost-controlled where if we can put that team around you in, in the meantime, we're going to do it. My two cents. On this Green Bay Atlanta game, yeah, still not there on Jordan Love. Um, an Aaron Jonesless uh, Green Bay offense is not one I want any part of. Um, and on the other side, uh, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is not going to happen so long as Arthur Smith is the the head coach of the team because through two weeks, Kyle Pitts has four catches for fifty nine yards, while John o. Smith has four catches for forty seven yards at the tight end position. So I didn't, know didn't think he could get. Stat. Yeah, barely outscoring Johnny Smith, um, who is largely their blocking tight end. So stop ranking Kyle Pitts as a tight end one, you know, fantasy football and us. He isn't. It's not that he's not skilled enough to be one. He's just not one in this offense. So it has to stop. I would I pray that ECR has him outside of the top 12 this week over fantasy pros, because if not, you're just blind sheep and you're not doing a You're doing a disservice uh, to the people that actually follow your rankings. Hey, we're back to back weeks. I trashed trashed them last week. You get them this week. This yeah, is this I is mean, an official anti pits pod now. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just it's, stop it. Be better, people. From that game to the Buffalo Bills hosting the Las Vegas Raiders, and they bludgeon them thirty eight to ten. Yeah, that's that's what should have happened. There's no no insight from me to take from this game. That's exactly how it should have went. 
Yeah, I and mean, uh, Josh Jacobs a... having minus two rushing yards on nine carries was uh, very telling. Luckily, he saw some work in the passing game, five for 51. But, yeah, that Las Vegas team is a is an absolute dumpster fire. James Cook, however, looks amazing, but will never get the goal line work because there are two giant human beings standing in – sorry, yep. three – Giant human being standing in front of him in the in the lunch line when it comes to short yardage touchdowns. Damian Harris got one. Latavius Murray got one. And then Josh Allen's always lurking around, potentially stealing mm-hmm. another one. So James Cook can be awesome, and he was. 17 for 123 rushing, another four for 36 receiving. But he's going to be the, – the touchdowns are going to be precious, few and far between. If he gets like five or six touchdowns this year, he'll be lucky. But super explosive game yeah um, he, he's from james Cook. he's either got to catch one or break a run there, yeah it's gotta be a 50 yarder when, yeah when, he's when he gets hit, yeah when he gets tackled at the five that's the coming end. out that's it yep. come on out son yeah <laughs> let the adults get to work and, and yeah, here nothing so more to real there. quick talking about how shitty the raiders are so what does that say about Denver that they beat them on the road a week ago? And we'll get to Denver in, in a bit here, I'm sure. But I think I think you know what it says about Oof. Denver. Oh boy, yeah. yeah, Denver's trash. All right, we're talking division rivalry. We're talking about that AFC North game that's going on tonight. Well, there was another AFC North game that happened on Sunday, and it was the Baltimore Ravens traveling to the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Bengals 27-24. While the Bengals fall to 0-2, the Ravens are 2-0. Bengals were 0-2 a year ago. I, I, I saw something somewhere, but I didn't follow up on it, that they're, the last couple of years have been a slow-starting team. So I, I'm less worried about them than the other 0-2 teams. Although I've said for going back to the Super Bowl year, I just think they're getting lucky, despite what I feel is horrific <laughs> coaching offensively and with their head coach, but it, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, T. Higgins had the big game here. Jamar Chase, you know, through two games, nothing. It, it, could it, and and uh, Burrow picked up that uh, reaggravated his calf thing. So, of course, he did. Jake Jake Browning might be a waiver wire pickup to stash because this ain't going away. Now that he reaggravated it, this is going to yeah. be a season long. Thing. Listen, this just continues to play into my and, and not that I'm saying, like, listen, he injured his calf in training camp, like before preseason games. But you just seen this ugly product when people don't get time to like work themselves back into like a routine. And we're seeing it with this Bengals team. They just look terrible. I mean, Barrow like found his way into like not another abject disaster of a game, but his first half was trash he was on a worse pace this week through the first half that he was even last week in in those conditions so it's bad t higgins had a monster game but you're right through two weeks 10 catches for 70 yards for jamar chase that is just oh my goodness i mean that dude you want from one game your top that yeah that's your top five pick in like every ppr redraft league jamar chase is sitting there just burying you and you can't sit him just week after week. Now they do play Monday night next week. I'm pretty sure. So they get a bonus day. Maybe that's an yeah. extra day to heal for Barrow. I don't know. But they're owing too. They can't set Barrow. They can't set to your to, to your point about him. You know, being coming along slowly, not playing in the preseason. He's probably not going to practice all week either. 
<laughs> so no. he's not I, I, getting he's not, getting, he's any not getting in sync anytime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he just got paid. So now that the target's really on him, <laughs> like yeah. pressure's building in, in Cincinnati as you're going to just collapse an entire franchise if this shit doesn't work out. <laughs> but on the Ravens side, Gus Edwards, by far the best running back in their backfield, but it doesn't matter. They still give 11 carries to Justice Hill. Lamar Jackson still took it 12 times. They found a way to get four carries combined between Devin Duvernay and Zay Flowers. They're just not going to ride anyone. I said this, I think, last week after Dobbins went down. That you know, Good luck. You don't, you don't want any of them now. It, you know, so he, you know, uh, Gus Edwards got the touchdown, but it doesn't matter. You know, It's still only, what, 12.2 fantasy points because he didn't do anything in the receiving game. They like Justice Hill. They didn't get Melvin Gordon involved at all. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe they even bring someone in, but it's going to be a hodgepodge. No one had Nelson Aguilar leading the team um, in receiving yards and being their top fantasy product on their bingo card when Odell Beckham went out, but it's just clearly not Rashad Bateman. The Zay Flowers targets dropped tremendously, but he still saw four for 62 in the game like that. And Mark Andrews came back and just did Mark Andrews things, led the team in targets like he should have. Yeah, Gus Edwards, uh, Justice Hill, the split is like 55-45 for Hill, and Hill got three targets, Gus had none. So Hill's overall probably going to be involved more, but like you said, stay away. But Gus is – I played Gus in a couple leagues this week. I like him the most going forward. I You know, Justice Hill scored those two touchdowns in the first week, got everybody's panties all, <laughs> all bunched up for that. I, I just – We've seen Justice Hill and we've seen Gus Edwards, and you and I are big Gus fans. I, I just think he's clearly the better back. I mean, Hill had 11 carries, 41 yards. Gus had 10 for 62, and like you said, got in the end zone. I think as the year goes on, Gus kind of takes over unless something goofy happens, like Melvin Gordon gets a giant share of the work at some point, but I don't see that happening. No, but I nor do Gus. I. But yeah, that, uh, He's still touchdown dependent because he's probably going to be 50, 60 yards a week because he's going to get 10 or 12 carries. You know, so if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's Yeah, if, if he's not getting in the end zone, he's not going to get the catches to make up for that. So Exactly. And speaking of highly paid quarterbacks, through two weeks in this new Todd Monken offense, <laughs> Lamar Jackson has thrown for 406 total yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. So, I mean, this – I got a trivia question for you. You just made me think of this. I don't know if you've looked already. Do you know at this point who is leading the NFL in pass attempts? Pass attempts? Uh-huh. Who has thrown the football more than anyone else in the National Football League through two weeks I, minus two Monday night games? I have a few guesses. Um, Go for it. <laughs> I'm going to say Mac Jones. Oh, bastard. First try. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Only because I know he threw it like 54 times against the Eagles <laughs> in the first week. I also was thinking yeah. in my head, I don't know why, Kirk Cousins. And then after, it's weird, and I knew it wasn't him, but CJ Stroud threw a bunch yesterday, and I knew he threw a decent amount week one too. But, yeah, Mr. Mr. Mac Attack Jones for the win. All right, getting us back on track. Also, uh, well, there's a raw on Sunday. I don't know why I said also. The Seattle Seahawks traveled to the Motor City to beat the Detroit Lions in overtime, 37-31 to 31 in by far the highest scoring game of the week. 
I think both when when we're when we're talking in uh, January, I think both of these teams are going to be giant disappointments this year. <laughs> That's my yes, takeaway from this. The 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 week one opening game Thursday, beating the Chiefs on the road. I mean, you want to talk about a letdown spot? This is it. So Detroit should have gagged this away. I can't believe Seattle didn't do it more handily. Had to go to overtime for it. Uh, Geno Smith stinks. Maybe I'm, you know, they're missing both of their starting tackles for this game. They, they, sh- there's no reason Detroit shouldn't have been able to put a shit ton of pressure on them and not even let them get into this. So, you know, these the, these scores are indicative of two bad team sometimes. I don't think this was a shootout because they're good. This was a shootout because they think they're not as good as other people. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks scored seven points in the first half, so they put up 30 points in the second half and overtime. So, yeah, the Lions were in control largely throughout this game, but just gave that up. They had one sack on the game, to your point, of the Seahawks missing their two starting tackles, and they only had the Detroit Lions only had one sack. On Jared Goff, who finally threw an interception, but again put up another fantasy viable performance. 323 passing yards and three touchdowns for Jared Goff. I mean, he is getting it done with not a ton um, of people to really throw to, but the primary beneficiary was Josh Reynolds, who helped nobody with five catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns. David Montgomery got hurt, but he scored a touchdown at first, and then they started just feeding Craig Evans. Or sorry, Craig Evans. (laughs) Craig Reynolds. The the football um, doesn't even deserve to get his Um, name pronounced correctly. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, Kenneth Walker looked like a fullback out there. 17 carries, 43 yards, but he had two touchdowns. So uh, good for him. Tyler Lockett, your boy, found his way to two receiving touchdowns, eight for 59. DK Metcalf left for a while with a rib injury, but did come back, caught all six of his targets for 75 yards. So there was uh, the people that were supposed to put up fantasy points in this matchup did. I think that's about what we can say for Seattle against Detroit. My new opinion on the Seattle running back situation is that they are going to try to run Kenneth Walker into the ground and know he's going to get banged up, and then they will, I don't have a better word for it, unleash (laughs) Charbonnet. Turn. Turn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, you just look at the way that the, the work is being separated there and I really thought Charbonnet would be definitely involved in the passing game but two targets two receptions meh just nothing Kenneth Walker had two targets also only caught one of them so I don't yeah Kenneth Walker was by far his most productive he's ever been in the receiving game with his one catch for 11 yards yeah Um, yeah it's just uh Bit of a yeah, shocker, not how I thought it would go. And and Charbonnet, I thought, looked better in the preseason, and Walker was hurt. I thought he earned his right to get out there. But like I said, I the more I look at this and, and how they've split this workload, I, I think they're just waiting for Walker to get hurt. They said, fuck it, we're just going to get out there till something goes wrong, and then we have another guy waiting in the wings. So yeah. I think Charbonnet's be, be probably interesting to have, Yeah. So speaking of, well, this is a, a, a late transition, but rookie quarterbacks who you said should wait. We have the Indianapolis Colts heading down to the 
play the Houston Texans. The Colts win 31 to 20. Man, you know, we're two games into Anthony Richardson's career, two games he did not finish. Like, I, I didn't see the hit, uh, this one where he got out of there. Um, I did see a lot of the game last week. He, you know, it's funny too. We're talking about Seattle, watching a bunch of Seattle with Russell Wilson, who is one of the best quarterbacks at not getting really banged up and getting hit despite running, especially when he ran a little more in the past. You see a guy like Richardson, just they had not coached him up at all how to get down, how to get out of bounds. He, he, it's not going to be good for his longevity. I mean, we've seen it already two weeks and now he's got the concussion. If he good chance, he doesn't get out of the protocol and he ends up uh, not playing in three games. So that's three games under his belt. Three, he doesn't finish assuming he doesn't even get suited up for the next one. So I, I think the upside is there for fantasy Two rushing touchdowns look good while he was out there. Um, but yeah, he he's going to, damage himself long-term I'm I'm looking to get out of the Anthony Richardson business the upside just isn't worth the downside if you can't put the guy in your lineup listen six four listed at 244 I heard he's over 250 now that doesn't avoid hits and that's just that's not a it's not a body type that's going to avoid hits and yeah he was well on his way to breaking fantasy yesterday I mean this was in like the first quarter where he had those two rushing touchdowns, looked great doing it. Was six of ten passing, fifty six yards. Like he was, he, he, Anthony Richardson was about to be fully realized in week two before picking up that concussion. Now you're right. We're probably going to see Gardner Minshew start week three for the Indianapolis Colts. Who Gardner Minshew acquitted himself quite well. Nineteen of twenty three, one seventy one and one. It also let Zach Moss go off for eighteen for eighty eight and one in his first game back, where they totally nerfed Deion Jackson. Didn't even Dude, get a nerfed- touch. Everyone, he had Moss had a 98% snap share. No other running back had an offensive snap. They didn't even put anyone on the fucking field. Good. They shouldn't. Well, Deion Jackson sucked. I think uh, Evan Hall's on IR. So, you know, there's no, there's no one else to, there's no one else to discuss here on the Houston side. CJ Stroud threw for 384 and two touchdowns did throw it 47 times. Their running game does not exist. Damian Pierce has sucked through two weeks. Doesn't, you know, I mean, 15 carries is decent enough volume. 31 yards isn't going to get it done. And he's not that involved in the pass game. Him and uh, Devin Singletary combined four targets, three catches, 14 yards, because it was all going to the trio of Nico Collins, who's been awesome, Robert Woods, yeah. super relevant, and then Tank Dell, who I believe was only in, involved in the game plan because Noah Brown uh, was out with an injury. But Nico Collins, seven for 146 and one, awesome. Robert Woods, six for 74. I mean, you'll take it in a PPR league. And then Tankdale, seven for 72 and one. I'm liking this offense. Um, they don't want to throw it 47 times a week with CJ Stroud, but I want them to throw it 47 times a week with CJ Stroud. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about it when we get into the rookies, but yeah. But the, the, the right. interesting, the one thing weird on this team, Mike Boone went from a 31% snap shoot. To fucking zero this week. I know we talked about him a little bit last week, so it'll be interesting to watch that because he had those 31 snaps but didn't get a touch or a target. So why was he in there? The the uh, Texans appeared to have the same <laughs> takeaway from that, so they just took him off the field. So, Which is ironic because he's their pass ca- quote-unquote pass-catching back. And they were 
throwing the ball all day, but didn't want him in there. So from that game to what ultimately was a dud game that I was excited to watch, Kansas City Chiefs headed down to hot as Duval, where they kept showing them their thermometer on the field of it being like 120 degrees field temperature. But the Chiefs eked out a 17-9 to win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, the, the only interesting thing here was that uh, Kirk ended up being a guy on the field. I think he went, uh, what is it, 94% snap share. It was 34 a week ago. So they got Kirk a little more involved, which they said they were going to. So sometimes you got to listen to the coaches. Uh, Ridley caught two on eight uh, attempts for 32. Mm-hmm. Zay Jones, 0 for 6. But the one play I saw of his, it was on uh, – Red zone would look like a touchdown. And then when they, I didn't see why they said it wasn't. So, you know, you go 0 for 6. People are probably going to be off him. He's obviously still involved in the passing game and uh, in the red zone. More importantly, you know, he was, what was that? Would have been like 11 points if he caught that ball and got in the end zone. So he's somebody I'm targeting in DFS next week because I think people will be off of him because he scored nothing this week. But I, I, I like Zay going forward still. Yeah, I mean, the goose egg hurt. Um, Calvin Ridley in and out. He, like, ran into the goalpost um, <laughs> yeah, on a route. So, <laughs> so he, he missed uh, a bunch of time. Wasn't his best effort. Um, but, yeah, Christian Kirk, primary beneficiary of that uh, Chiefs defense, you know, turning 14 targets into 11 for 110. You like to see it. Um, nothing from the run game. And uh, on the KC side, the only thing we really talk about, Travis Kelsey comes back, Travis Kelsey catches a touchdown, and then punts the shit out of the ball. It's a tremendous punt. Um, must have really <laughs> been working on that in his downtime. Um, Tony was involved. Sky Moore happened. Busted coverage. He had a 54-yard touchdown, three for 70 and one. The week after, no one starts him because he shit the bed the week before. He actually has a fantasy viable performance. And then Pacheco looked good. 12 for 70, 5.8 yards per carry. but largely empty because he didn't score a touchdown and he didn't even have um, any receiving yards on his one reception on his two targets. So just an ugly hot game that the chiefs eked out, not to fall to two and two. You know, we used to talk before about the chiefs and being good for fantasy because they had such a narrow distribution tree, right? It was going to Hill, Kelsey. That was it. You didn't have to worry about the other guys. It's gone. I mean, Kelsey's back. That obviously helps, but even with Kelsey back this week, they had 12 players with at least one target in this game. So they're spreading it around more, which is probably good for real football, which is good for Mahomes' numbers at the end of the day. But fuck, good luck picking which guy is going to be the guy each week that sneaks in the end zone. Tony is, I mean, obviously Kelsey was out week one, but Tony is still leading the team in targets. <laughs> Does that continue among the wide receivers? Who knows? I I just think they're going to keep spreading it around, and you're going to just have to spin the wheel. I'm not really interested in plugging somebody in every week. I love them all for best ball because anyone can pop at any time, but pretty pretty ugly for fantasy right now. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Somehow Patrick Mahomes threw for 305 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick in a game where if you watch Every, every it, like, fucking receiver is 30 yeah. yards. You throw yeah, you're 10 like, guys no way for he 30 yards it. each. Yeah, you're like, no way he threw for 300 yards. Oh, yeah, he did 305 too. Yep. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes on a bad day. All right, from one hot, steamy game to another, your ex-Chicago Bears head down to Tampa Bay to lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are 2-0, 27-17. 
We're two games into the season. Are the Bears in the conversation for the number one pick again? Yeah. I think they are for sure. Wholeheartedly. They look like shit. Functional on Texonian (laughs) levels before, uh, what's his name, got there. (laughs) Look, we hated, we trashed Arizona, rightfully so. They've hung in two games. I, I'm actually very impressed with the Cardinals' effort because they have to know in that locker room they suck, right? They're like, ah, we're going to suck this year. They've hung in those two games. Big round of applause for them hanging in there. The fucking Bears, man, are – and people I – I think I talked about this before. People calling in radio stations when I'm driving, they're like, I don't see how the, how the Bears don't win 11. It's like That's like their loss floor. They're, they're, they're going to be lucky to go 6-11. and 11. You're insane. And now that yeah, you've seen it on the field, they're fucking bad, bad. Listen, they let Baker Mayfield go 26 for 34 for 317 yards and a touchdown, most of which went to Mike Evans. Who Did you see he ever won 28 to 28 and a touchdown? 28 yes. yards. I mean, this is vintage oh. Mike Evans happening. Yeah, I mean – Blows my mind. Rashad White finally had a decent game, 17 for 73. Oh, yeah. One rushing. Had another five for 30 receiving. Yeah, so we'll we'll take that effort from our boy Shad. Over 100 all-purpose yards, a touchdown. We have multiple receptions. That's what we like to say. It was against an absolute disaster of a Bears team. But And, and they're after the Chiefs. The Bears play the Chiefs next week. They're going to get smoked in Kansas City. The Bears are yeah. on the road to 0-3 and getting bashed to pieces. You talked about Rashad White. I mean, not not forecasting too much here for sleepers or anything, but any of those Chiefs running backs, you know, get them in there. I think McKinnon, well, I'll save it. But, yeah, they're going to get yeah. fucking mushed. Yeah, and listen, all it took was Darnell Mooney getting hurt to see a target oh, consolidation God. of uh, DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool somehow led the team in targets with eight and Ugh. caught the touchdown. But DJ Moore did finally get a you know, DJ Moore type game. Seven targets, six catches, 104 yards. But yes, it is atrocious. And for the soon and to be 0-3, and soon to be 0-4, soon yeah. to be 0-5, Chicago Bears. <laughs> there was talk. Here's the, the well, just fantasy fucking dead zone. There was talk going into this game that they, Claypool was going to just be a healthy scratch because he thought his effort was shit. So there's a 0% chance anyone used him anywhere. So he finally has a decent game on your bench and helps no one. This is an atrocious team. Yeah, down bad. So um, from that to a more exciting game and one uh, that went to actual overtime that my – Los Angeles Chargers found a way to lose because they they be chargering. They oh. went down to Tennessee to lose in overtime, twenty four to twenty seven to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I mean it's just the my Chargers matrix. Should they win? Yes. Will they mm-hmm. win? Nope. It's, I mean it's every time. It's perfect. They they had. I mean they were on the road. West Coast team going east. I don't know if Nashville's in Central Time or. East, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, they just gag this away. Uh, you know, Herbert had another good game, 300. I think without Eckler, just that the they need the one-two punch. You can't just have the two punch out there. Kelly stunk. 
but I, it, it was fine for the passing game because they had to go other places. The thing that surprised me, uh, looking through Tennessee stats, Traylon Burks leading them in, in snaps at wide receiver, then Westbrook Akine, then uh, Hopkins. Running back kind of the first week, Spears outsnapped uh, Derrick Henry, but that switched back to normal this week. It was like a 46% snap share for Henry, 22 for Spears. Tannehill only had 24 attempts. So even if you like Burks, I, I have Westbrook McKinney as a wide receiver three on a couple teams I picked off of waivers. He's been salvageable. And, and Hopkins, you know, he's old, going to be a boom-busting kind of the whole year. I like Burks. I think he could be good, especially getting the workload he is. But Tannehill's throwing the ball 24 times a game. That's not going to get it done, especially when we're talking about, you know, fucking Mac Jones throwing at 55. It's just it's just a, a run heavy team that isn't going to favor these wide receivers. If they keep doing nothing, I think Burks is a pretty good uh, trade target. Because if if I don't like Malik Willis, but if Levis ever gets in there, he was probably more likely to take some of these deep shots. So I do like the wide receivers as like a dynasty stash, but it's going to be <laughs> rough treading for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'll start off on the Chargers side of the house. Keenan Allen, grown man's man. Eight catches, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Williams got it done, eight for 83. No one else really did shit, including Quentin Johnson, who had one catch for seven yards. In a game where they couldn't run the ball, somehow Quentin Johnson still doesn't do shit. Um, you know, through two games where these other receivers are, are popping early and often. Josh Kelly, I'll save it for later, but I don't think – I don't think you uh, you burn your shares uh, at this point in time. Tennessee doesn't let you run on him, so he wasn't going to happen during the you know on the run. And he's not a pass catcher like Austin Eckler was. So this was a bad game for Josh Kelly to get his starter opportunity, in my opinion. And yeah, Traylon Burks was like a stumble away from like a you know whatever his long catch was seventy. It would have been like a eighty yard touchdown. So he was he's he was all- so close to a. Big day, like three for eighty five like, and a touch. I feel like that's his career so far. It is. Everything right. is just like Stop thrilling because I have him everywhere. Ooh, we're so close. Yeah. yeah. You're like so close every time he, he he starts getting good and he gets banged up. You're like, uh that other year, you know, two years ago, whatever, is having trouble breathing. You're like, uh now he just if he could get a you feel like he's on the cusp of really breaking so, out, he might be a good trade for target. He's so close. And then on the running game, Derrick Henry, 25 carries, 80 yards, 3.2 per clip, did have a rushing touchdown. You saw it said the snap split. But Tajay Spears still 8 for 49, almost double the yards per carry average for him. He is just far more explosive than Henry is at this point in time. I don't care about snaps, but Spears has to keep getting touches like he did here. He should be a minimum 8 to 10 touch guy for this Titans offense because that's what's the only thing that's going to bring some explosion to that backfield because – Early returns look like Henry is turning into a bit of a uh, a grinder in whatever year 15 uh, that he's in, it seems like, in the NFL. <laughs> so fucking big. So he's big a The other day, I'm like, holy shit. He, not even the yeah. same species as some of these Yeah, guys. you know how there's like, uh, you know, pound leagues when the kids are growing up in football? There should be like weight limits for positions in the NFL, too. It's like, nope, nope, you're not a running back. Not allowed. You, what do you want to be? You want to be a tight end, or do you want to play linebacker? What do you want to do? You're not allowed. You're not allowed to run at these little 190 pound D backs all day long. All right, let's pick up the speed a little bit here. The New York Giants don't know how they did it. 
sucked again in the first half, looking absolutely lifeless. But then the Cardinals did exactly what the Cardinals are supposed to do. They turtled up in the second half, and they lost this game like they should. 31-28, to New York Giants. I have a lot to add. Giants are terrible. Uh, Cardinals are terrible. I thought for a while there, <laughs> Arizona was just going to shut them out. I was like, oh, they're going to regret this Daniel Jones contract. But, yeah, I mean, they made the adjustments at the half. But Cardinals, like I said earlier, Cardinals are hanging in there. There's really very little fantasy interest in this game on either side, obviously, except for Barkley. But now he sprained his ankle. Uh, don't know if he's going to miss a game or not. But, yeah, they're spreading the ball around on offense. Hyatt had the big plays, hit 89 yards, leading them. Uh, Slayton had six targets, led wide receivers for 62 yards. But they, similar to Kansas City, they're just spreading the ball around too much to have anybody actually pop. So not not a fan of this offense. I've been starting Slayton because I have problems on quite a few lineups, but he's been okay. But, yeah, you can't trust or want any of these fucking bums from either team in your lineup. Just yeah. Trash across the board, except except Zach Ertz somehow. <laughs> yeah, right. Daniel Jones, there? monster second half. I think it was like I saw something on uh, Twitter that he had some like he was the first quarterback ever to have like 250 passing yards, 50 rushing yards, two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, no interceptions, something like that in a half uh, of football, and turned in a hell of a fantasy day. To your point with Saquon, yeah, Saquon rushing touchdown and receiving touchdown plus what appears to be a high ankle sprain. So he's going to miss multiple weeks is my uh, conservative estimation. And Darren Waller found his way into a good game, six for 76 receiving. But to your point on the Arizona side, James Conner looking good early on. Josh Dobbs not looking totally inept, but yeah, Zach Ertz, you know, for what we're dealing with in the tight end position, the fact that he saw another eight targets this week, saw six for 56 after his abysmal stat line in week one of, 10 targets, six catches, 21 yards. But, you know, in a PPR world, his 12 receptions for whatever it is, 77 yards. That's so sad. Um, through two weeks, is extremely startable. Yeah, what a world. <laughs> now we'll go on to the 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 oddest game, I, I think, of the week. And I think there was some, some Vegas collusion in play here when the oh, San Francisco 49ers about. won 30-23 against the Puka Nakua-led L.A. Rams in a game that, if you didn't know, had a seven-point spread, and the Rams kicked a field goal on second down with four seconds left. Huh? Seven and a half. Seven or seven and a half. (laughs) Yeah, I I had it at seven, but it it did move. So, yes, they uh, kicked a field goal when they should have tried to throw the ball into the end zone. Isn't that suspicious? Yeah. How do they not look into that? Anyway, we talked about the gambling shit earlier. Um, I got nothing of note on this game. Rams are a lot better than we both thought. I actually think, I actually think they're good and they're going to get their best player back. Um, the, the thing of note here is acres was a healthy scratch. I've said all off season. They hate this fucking guy. Can't trust him there. They, they've just proved it again. He, he, he was their starter in week one. Now he didn't even put his uniform on. They hate that guy. Hate him. Listen, so Cam it's all Akers going through Kai- is getting a 30 for 30. 
He has to, if that's still even a thing anymore. I need to know everything that transpired behind the scenes to this point where he went doghouse to bell cow last year and then somehow back full doghouse two games in to the 2023 season. I, I don't get it. And, it, and I'm sorry, Kyron Williams has been decent for fantasy. He's not a starting NFL running back by any means. So it's not because there's something better there. And I'm not even saying Cam Akers is, is good anymore. That Achilles clearly is problematic. Um, and it's unfortunate because I was a, a fan. But Kyron Williams is, didn't take his job. I don't believe that. 14 carries and 10 targets for Williams. So, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, that's what fantasy goal. Because you know what? Round. You're talking about another team that didn't have another running back touch the ball in the game. So, uh, Kyron Williams' snap share had to be monumental in this one, and he produced, to your point, rushing and receiving touchdowns uh, on the week, much like Saquon Barkley did. And now San Fran gets to play the Giants on Thursday night football, and Christian McCaffrey is going to absolutely eviscerate them because the Giants yeah. are not good. They just let James Conner run all over them. So now, you know, welcome Christian McCaffrey and a probably 10-plus point favorite San Francisco 49ers team to town. It's going to set all things back right with the world against the, the Giants. But, yeah, the Rams kept it competitive, propping up fantasy superstars left, right, and center um, in Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua. And even Matt Stafford's been pretty startable. Yeah. Uh, Nakua, uh, by the way, I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> Fully. 30, 35 targets through two games. He set an NFL, he set an NFL record. Okay? It's he's, fucking he's, he's, awesome. Kids breaking records. Right now, I mean, they you just, gotta love it, right? It's yeah, pretty awesome. Lose Cooper to see. Cup, slide in Puka Nakua, don't miss a beat. That's literally, I mean, call it what you will. It's fun but, to watch. Uh, yeah, that kid's not an aberration. He's a uh, he's legit. So, from not an aberration to someone that might be an aberration, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets <laughs> had to go to Dallas <laughs> in Zach Wilson's first start and maybe last start of the twenty twenty three season to lose thirty to ten. To the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough matchup through two games. Dallas's defense looks pretty good, so I, I would curious to see a little more Zach Wilson against maybe not potentially the best defense in the NFL, but garbage across the board. I mean, nobody really got a lion's care of the work out of lion's share of the work out of the backfield. Cook had 16 snaps, Carter had 15, Hall had 15, so yuck to that. The one winner in this whole Jets situation, to me, is Tyler Conklin, who I wanted nothing to do with this year because I didn't think Aaron Rodgers would be throwing to the tight ends. We'll, we'll never know after his four snaps, but I was out on Conklin. But now that Wilson's back in, I do like him. He was uh, second on the team in receiving yards with 50 this week. He had six targets, which was second on the team. Led the team with five receptions. Wilson likes Conklin. We saw it a year ago. I, I was high on him. I'm back on him now. I, I would be definitely targeting him on waivers. He should be out there in a lot of leagues. But, yeah, I, I, I like Conklin with Wilson in there. And if Wilson ends up getting benched, I don't even care who's in there. Conklin's part of the game plan, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers throwing the football. So get you some Conklin while uh, the tight end market sucks. Yeah, I don't disagree. And it looks like they just threw the running back flag up early on in that game. And they said, like, yeah. yo, Breach, you're good. We're just going to – now we're we're wasting money on Dalvin Cook. We might as well just let him run into this brick wall 
a little bit. So that that was unfortunate. On the Dallas side, Tony Pollard had 25 carries and eight targets, seven receptions on the game. Has not been nearly as explosive with this volume roll that he's getting thus far. Did have a touchdown called back on a holding penalty. Um, but he is the bell cow back. And they're going to break him if they keep doing this. It's, there's no two ways around yeah. it. In a game they had in hand, there's no way, no reason that Tony Pollard should have saw 25 carries in the game. There's absolutely zero reason. I mean, I want all the touches as a Tony Pollard owner in various places, but this was just, you know, egregious misuse uh, of a running back in a game that was pretty much over in the first quarter. Over before it started, to be correctly honest. It it wasn't for a Garrett Wilson slant pass, 60-some yard touchdown. Yeah, it would have been a, a lot more lopsided. We were talking Russell Wilson earlier, so let's talk Russell Wilson now. The Washington Commanders commanded a victory this week in the Mile High City to go to 2-0 and and drop the Broncos to 0-2. 35-33. Game was only that close because Russell Wilson threw a Hail Mary that was tipped three times, I think, before it was caught by Brandon Johnson in the end zone. You hopefully know who he is now because I don't believe he did a week ago. And then Cortland Sutton was egregiously interfered with on the two-point conversion. Um, by Benjamin St. Just in a game. This should have went to overtime and had more fantasy points, but the commanders get the win nonetheless. I, I did not see that last play, but yeah, this uh, is hundred uh, percent blatant. It, it's in interesting time, for like, both of these teams. <laughs> yeah. It, it's interesting just to see, you know, Washington played Arizona last week. That was closer than we thought. Then they come here and win a close road game in a tough place to play. So, you know, when you look at those two games together, it probably tells you more about Denver <laughs> than it does even Washington. Um, just kind of gross, you know what I mean? Mims, Mims had 16 snaps. He ran five routes, caught two of the five for a 113 and a touchdown. Maybe, maybe you get that guy more involved. I mean, what <laughs> 16 snaps. He has a monster game with only two catches. Uh, Judy came back, caught three of uh, five targets for 25 yards. Not the best. Yeah, this Brandon Johnson guy, I don't I don't know what to do with him because now Judy's back. Mims seems like he's earning more work. But Johnson's been pretty decent through two games. I mean, looks like he's getting three targets each week, catching a couple of them. Getting that 50, 60 yard range. You got in the end zone twice this week, but he might be worth a stash because Judy and Sutton have not proven to be very healthy. It wouldn't blow my mind in week 10 if the starting wide receivers are Mims and Johnson because the other two are fucking resting some ailment. So he might be worth stashing if you got the room, but I I don't know if I like him week to week. I didn't look at that. Everybody's on the field. Yeah, Judy and Sutton aren't the epitomes of health. Sutton did like dick in this game until like the very end <laughs> and eked out a five for 66. Judy looked disinterested by and large, in my opinion, uh, in, in his first game back. And then you had Mims with two huge plays before the Brian Johnson deep bomb. Now, they did lose Greg Dolch to IR, and this was supposed to be the Adam Troutman coming out party. Well, he, he got exactly one target yeah. and, and no catches. So they might be going four wide sets. Uh, for the foreseeable future, which could keep Brandon Johnson involved. But 
this Russell Wilson 308 yard three touchdown one interception game was is a total. I'm just going to go back to the aberration word because 50 whatever of it in a touchdown shouldn't have happened, and you know interceptions could likely have been more prevalent for him. So this was more like a 250 and two touchdown game for him. He's been That's terrible. It. He's seven been sacks. Yeah, That's seven sacks. seven times. Because he and hey, he did run six for 56. We we're talking about him not running anymore. Well, he was yeah. running. This game, um, Sean Payton came out and said, we might have to put a wristband on Russell Wilson because he's taken way too long in the huddle to get these plays communicated. <laughs> so we're going back to basics with, with old Russ in, in, in building him from the ground up. On the Washington side, Brian Robinson is fully eclipsed Antonio Gibson, whether you and I want to believe it or not. He's he's even I'm, looking yeah. good as a receiver. Antonio Gibson, I, he's, I can't promote him again. And less than until a Brian Robinson injury. What I will say is Logan Thomas was on his way to an absolute monster game this week before getting put to sleep by Kareem Jackson on his touchdown catch. Because after he was done, John Bates saw five targets, three catches, 46 yards. And Cole Turner had two targets, two catches, 21 yards. Put that on top of the three targets, two catches, 22 oh. yards for Logan Thomas. That is a monster tight end day. And Logan Thomas would have been the primary beneficiary of it. Yeah. We had him, wasn't he first? We both had him as a sleeper this week. So yes, yes. We, and he we, got we put were on to sleep. He got put to sleep, but <laughs> he at least scored before he went down. So he's probably a tight end one this week because that's all you have to do to be a tight end one. Lastly, Sunday night football, the Miami Dolphins went into Foxborough and left 2 0 with a 24 17 win against the New England Patriots. Yeah, Ramondre and Zeke looks like a 70-30 split, which is probably we're probably good for both of them. The the interesting thing for New England, Devontae Parker came back 100% snap share <laughs> at, at wide receiver. So you don't see that too often, but he didn't do a shit ton with it. He, he was out there, but meh, you know, got to actually score or something, my friend. I Kendrick Bourne was still the uh, target leader there, and I think that's going to continue for the rest of the season. He seems to be on the same page. And as long as Mac Jones is firing at 50 times a game, um, should be good for Bourne volume-wise for the rest of the year. Uh, on the Miami side, another decent game from Tua, two, almost 250 in the air. Would have liked to see a little more, but is what it is. Uh, Waddle led them in receiving, even though Hill got the touchdown. Nothing really of note there. Um, pretty meh for Miami as far as snaps or anything. Nothing nothing changes. You know who you're interested in on this team. The, the, what do you think of River Craycraft? Picked him up in a few spots just sitting on my bench. He seems to have not necessarily supplanted Barrios as the three, but he's he's been involved. I think he could do worse than putting him in as you know your second flex if you're burned with injuries because he will get you you know maybe five points a week which is better than a goose egg he is involved yeah i mean him and barrios they're benefiting from Watt on hill commanding so much attention sure. kind of playing like almost tight end by default for the miami dolphins you're right he had two craycraft had two catches for 34 yards barrios had two for 28 um you know they're just true ancillary pieces in the game the, the real star of the game was Raheem Mostert, who turned 18 carries and 121 yards and two touchdowns, just turning the clock back. 31 years old. When he's healthy, he's super explosive still. There's no um, there's no real backup running back right now. Ahmed played a fair amount of snaps, so I think he left the game hurt. 
Devon A chain, I don't know if it's injury or you know not being up to speed with the game plan or all, but he's very lightly used. Um, six snaps. Only had, yeah, only had two touches in those six snaps. So as long as Raheem Mostert stays healthy, Raheem Mostert is a starting top 20 running back in fantasy football. And on the Patriots side, you mentioned it. Devontae Parker came back, saw eight targets. They fed him the first target of the game. They were looking to him early, but yeah, only six for 57. So it was not the, the best showing for those New England Patriots as they uh, fall deeply into an 0-2 hole. So that was the Sunday recap. Hopefully we get some good football tonight, but let's roll over into the rookie report and get out of here with some sleepers. Yeah. So I'll just kind of run through team by team. Nothing, nothing too incredible here. Just kind of recapping. Um, So new England, Keisha Boutte went from 68% snap share to healthy scratch. Didn't even get in the game today uh, or yesterday. Mainly because I'm assuming Devontae Parker's back. Uh, Demario Douglas went from 41% down to 8%, even though all the talk was they were going to get him uh, more specifically more involved in the passing game and see Juju take a backwards uh, seat in the back, but that did not happen. Rashi Rice, week two after a touchdown week one, two for two for 20. Talked about Kansas City's offense a little earlier and how they spread it around. So. It's going to be week to week. Pretty scary. Uh, Cincinnati Brown finally got in the game at running back. No targets. Had one carry for two yards, but at least he got in there. Uh, they're two wide receivers. Charlie Jones uh, scored a punt return touchdown. So if you're in a league that rewards uh, special teams points, Charlie Jones should be on your radar. Tennessee, we talked about Tajay Spears already. Eight for 49. Uh, two receptions on three targets for six yards. Not a big role there. Uh, going to Baltimore, Zay Flowers with Andrews back. Saw a little decline in usage, but still caught four or five for 62. He is the snap leader on the team at wide receiver. He's clearly the wide receiver one now. Odell Beckham picked up an ankle or something. So with him not competing for targets, I think we see Flowers be usable each week. But yeah, with Andrews there, I, I just don't know if he's going to see the work we want to see uh, Buffalo Dalton Kincaid caught five of six for 43 still involved. Uh, Dawson Knox got in the end zone, only had 10 yards, but that score always helps tight ends. Tank Bigsby did nothing for Jacksonville Indy. We already talked about Richardson's stat line and he was having a monster day. Still had a decent day for fantasy, even though he got knocked out early downs uh, caught four of five for 37. Looking at Indy's snaps, it's pretty, uh, Small wide receiver tree, which is good. The opposite thing we got in Kansas City. It's Pittman, then Pierce. Uh, they're both at like 125-ish in targets or snaps, I'm sorry. And Downs is at 100. So Downs is the clear three. Him and Richardson get along great, I think. I, I like him more than Pierce for fantasy. Pierce has done nothing yet, uh, but obviously things change with uh, Minshew in there. Las Vegas, Mike Meyer garbage one for one for two. Don't know why you take a guy that early. If you're never going to use him. it's not like Austin Hooper is so amazing. Keep him off the field. We're already talking about a chain in Miami, six snaps this week. That's probably going to grow. First game did a play last week. We'll see what happens. Denver running back. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin only played three snaps, turned it into one carry for five yards and a touchdown. We already talked about Mims monster game there. Uh, Houston. We talked about quite a bit already. Stroud had a great game, 384, two touchdowns. Tank Dell getting more involved, went from uh, 48 to 79% snap share. 
you know, we like the player. The concern with him was always the size, but so far in two weeks, looks like it doesn't matter. It kind of helps when these guys are really good route runners, and 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 he is. So he gets himself open, is getting the ball. Hutchinson had one target again this week, did not catch it. And we mentioned the Chargers already. Uh, Quentin Johnson, one target, two yards. Um, one target on two – one bleh, reception on two targets for seven yards. <laughs> I think he needs an injury to Williams or Keenan Allen to be fantasy relevant right now. But obviously the plan with him, the Chargers know Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are not going to be there in two years. So you might have to hold Johnson for a bit to see him actually realize his potential. But, I, I you know, for Dynasty, it's worth the stash. So that's why we're talking rookies. And those are your AFC rookies. Yeah, and uh, the Pop Douglas thing, only because I watched the first half of the Monday night game, he fumbled, and then they had him on the bench literally like holding the football. I don't know if that was him or the coaching staff doing it. So it was like the old school high school, like you're going to walk around with this football, son, uh, yeah. and learn how to hold on to it, and then boom, no more Pop Douglas for the game. So that might have been part of the reason why he didn't do anything, and, and Juju, whose knee is a ticking time bomb, uh, saw the snap. So on the NFC side, Roshan Johnson – Four for 32, no touchdown, two targets, two receptions, 10 receiving yards, 6.2 PPR points, just a lost cause in Chicago right now. Jameer <laughs> Gibbs, seven carries, 17 yards. He did see nine targets, turned him into seven catches for 39 yards. Not the type of explosive, explosive production we want to see from 14 Jameer Gibbs touches, but it was still 12.6 PPR points. Jordan Addison continues to be a thing. Thursday night game, five targets, three catches, 72 yards and a touchdown, 16.2 PPR points. That's two long touchdowns in two weeks for Addison. He is loving being opposite of Justin Jefferson. Luke Musgrave, three targets, two catches, 25 yards, 4.5 PPR points. Not a big day for him, but not a big yardage day for Jordan Love as Atlanta controlled the clock most of the game. The primary beneficiary in that Packers passing game was Jaden Reed, who saw eight targets, Caught four of them for 37 yards and two touchdowns, 19.7 PPR points. It was good to see Jaden Reed out there. Trey Palmer, a week after catching a touchdown, sees two targets, has one catch for 20 yards. He's more of a deep stash guy. Um, Sean Tucker, is same Tampa Bay team, he saw eight carries in a game that Chase Edmonds left with injury, and he turned them into seven yards and also had zero targets on the game. So we want to keep shitting on Rashad White and saying that you know we should be starting Sean Tucker. Well, Rashad White was a lot more productive in this game and so i don't think sean tucker made a case for more touches other than the fact that now he's clearly the backup with chase edmonds being out burying the lead Bijan robinson 19 carries 124 yards caught four of five targets for 48 yards for 21.2 ppr points he is unbelievably amazing it just looks so <laughs> easy Everything he does, they ran him on a fourth down. It was just a beautiful thing to pick up a, a crucial first down for them in the win. Tyler Algier is a pure between-the-tackles banger. He is going to take some short yardage work. But B. John Robinson is just going to continue to excel with these touches, and he's going to make big touchdowns eventually. B. John could end up still being you know, a top three, top five. Fancy yeah, running back this quick, year. He's just Quick question good. for you that you just made me think of. When was the last time fantasy or football missed on an early running back? Like the guys that they're like, yeah, definitely first round. The only guy that pops in my head is Sony Michelle. But then I think about all the Patriots first round offensive players. 
And they usually suck. I mean, Mac Jones, Nikhil Harry, Sony Michelle. Yeah, I mean, we Trent seem, Richardson. We seem to, you, want to, you want to go with Trent Richardson? So how I long mean, is that? Twenty? Is that 2016-ish? And I still think he found his – he was still good early on. But the thing is, when you draft running backs early, you give them carries. So it's you, you can't not play these guys. So while Trent Richardson sucked, he still had – let me just throw it up real quick – still had 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns as a rookie. He sucked after that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say – he yeah, I wouldn't say he was a clear bust. He had some good years in there, but that's what I'm thinking. Like, no, 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 he had one good year. That was it. <laughs> he only played three years in the NFL, ironically enough. So 33%. But I'm th- yeah, like <laughs> NFL or fantasy people, we seem to hit the running backs pretty good, right? It's a very low miss rate for the early guys. And then obviously, when you pick these late guys. Sean Tucker, for example, undrafted free agent. You go, hopefully he's good. And he's been okay through two games. It would be interesting to see if he got more work. But, yeah, I mean, the, the early yeah, running give backs. Give Tucker credit. He wouldn't, have been an undrafted, he wouldn't have been an undrafted free agent if he didn't have the, the heart condition. He would have been a day three yeah. pick. So who knows, you know, because he was very productive but at like, Syracuse. Barkley was early. Fournette was early. Mixed oh, results yeah. there, mean, but. Had as good ones, then when they've all hit, like I don't McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean when you go early, very I mean, few busts. Listen, I mean Etienne lost his rookie year, but had a good year last year. I'm not a Najee Harris guy, but he's been productive good through enough. two seasons. Not he's not a bust. No, 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 not a bust. Th- that's what I'm saying. There's no, there's very few. You just made me Roshan just got me thinking. Yeah, there's very few early busts running backs anymore. But maybe it's because they're just not being taken as early. But even for fantasy, I mean, we, we that, bump right? these. <laughs> yeah, we bump these guys up, but pretty good hit rate. I, I'd like to go back and look at ADP in the first round of these. Yeah, yeah. Bijan is not not breaking news. Bijan is special. <laughs> just super special. <laughs> um, and he seems to be like the most humble guy in the world too, which just kind of adds to it. Yeah, was, all he kept talking about was his teammates uh, at the end of the game. Wouldn't even talk about himself at all. Um, Jonathan Mingo, Johnny Mingo, hasn't played yet, so no update on him. Puka Nakua, out there just setting records, had 20 targets, 15 catches, 147 yards. They also ran him twice for four yards, 30.1 PPR points. He has 35 targets, 25 receptions, and 266 yards through two weeks. The only thing he hasn't done is found the end zone. He has been absolutely amazing for the Rams. Jackson Smith and Jigba playing clear third fiddle in that passing game in Seattle. Six targets, five catches, 34 yards, 8.4 PPR points. Better days are ahead for him, but not as long as DK and Tyler Lockett are there with Geno. He's just not going to be the, even the second read for Geno, um, especially with all those tight ends running all over the formation as well. We're going to have to wait a year or two on Jackson Smith and Jigba. Unfortunately, same thing you said with Quentin Johnson. Zach Charbonnet, four carries, 16 yards. Two targets, two receptions, 14 yards, a sterling five PPR points behind Kenneth Walker. Both John and I think better days are ahead for Charbonnet. Jalen Hyatt, two targets, two catches, 89 yards, finally throwing the ball downfield, utilizing that speed that Jalen Hyatt possesses to stretch the field a little bit, um, kind of taking the Darius Slayton role for those New York Giants in, in comeback mode. And the last guy I added was Don Tavian Wicks. Was not on my report last week. Two targets, four catches. Yeah. Sorry, four targets, two catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. 12 PPR points. He was one of the late-round additions 
Um, the third wide receiver, I believe they drafted um, as a third rookie wide receiver on the Packers, but a productive college player. And he was getting an opportunity because Christian Watson was out again this week. <laughs> they never gave any weapons to Aaron Rodgers. Now they're four deep <laughs> with Luke Musgrave. They have five good receivers yeah. all of a sudden. Uh, you, you're, yeah. Kuga <laughs> Nakua had me do a quick yeah. math. He's on pace <laughs> for 297 yeah. targets. Listen, I, I think he can do it. I think he can do it, John. Fuck it. 300. Right. Push it. Yeah. Uh, why are we limiting ourselves that here? Is, that is nuts. Yeah. I love it. But, all and right, that, we're, that's everybody, on. right? That's it. All right, let's get to sleepers and get out of here. And uh, anybody, you're fading, but I'll jump into sleepers. I'll just kind of run through. Uh, we'll do position by position. So quarterback, you know, it's hard to find sleepers, especially there. But I like Baker Mayfield this week. Again, I like Stafford. Uh, Stroud, if he's healthy, should have another week. Russell Wilson, I, I don't know if he counts as a sleeper because he used to be, you know, perennial QB1, had another good week. You said, you know. This last uh, Hail Mary with the touchdown bumps up his stats, but I think he's in line for a good one. And last and certainly least, I kind of like Desmond Ritter this week. He's uh, what I saw of that game. He doesn't look terrible. I think he's a capable quarterback. And the the, the wild thing is going to be if Arizona, if Arizona, Atlanta keeps winning, they're not going to be in a position to replace him with one of the quarterbacks next year. And if they have a good record and possibly even squeak in the playoffs, which they can because their division sucks, Ritter's going to be there for at least another year. So that's kind of interesting to keep your eye on. But those are my QB sleepers this week. All right. I do not believe Desmond Ritter is a good quarterback. And he is finding ways. They're, they're finding ways to win in spite of him. But there will be free agents available after this season. I think Kirk Cousins will be a free agent uh, after the year. If uh, um, Justin Fields keeps going down this path and the Bears draft a quarterback, he'll be available. I do think there's a world where Kyler Murray becomes available for the Arizona Cardinals if they win the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. So I do think there will be alternative options for the Atlanta Falcons, even if they're not, you know, a bottom three team after the season. Fields from uh, Atlanta or uh, Georgia or something? He he is. He started his career. Let's let's start put. Let's start bumping that rumor out there. Yeah, anything's possible. Can't can't get there. On Ritter being good, I'm not saying he can't be good next week uh, in your sleeper matchup. I went with Kirk Cousins, who I called out last week. Now they get to play the Los Angeles Chargers, who are allowing an NFL high 9.6 yards per pass attempt on the season. Kirk Cousins, rinse and repeat. He's just going to do the same shit he did to the Eagles next week at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. And then Jared Goff against the Atlanta Falcons, who I know are going to want to make the game ugly and slow it down and limit possessions. But Goff has been great through two weeks. Um, with this uh, Lions offense, they just lost in heartbreaking fashion to Seattle. So I think this is a game back at I – still, I still think they're home next week. I have versus Atlanta. So if they're still at home, get to redeem themselves against the Falcons. I, Falcons pass defense is no great shakes in my opinion. I do think you could do worse than, than Jared Goff as a sleeper. Yeah, I don't – did the Lions win that trade? Is Goff better than Stafford? Uh, Interesting no, trades because, look- no, because the Rams won a Super Bowl, so it ne- it will never matter. Anything after that uh, point doesn't matter. Fair, so, fair no. point. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving to running back. I I don't know which one to pick, but 
one of the uh, Carolina running backs, Miles Sanders, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, um, I think are in line for a decent game next week. Again, we're recording before the game, so if one of them gets <laughs> banged up, uh, I apologize in advance. But Seattle's been just atrocious against opposing running backs. And here's the other thing. Could be both. I would be happy to plug both of those guys in my lineup. Plenty of teams that had two guys go off against Seattle. Uh, not a true sleeper, but Javante Williams, I think, has a big game against the Dolphins. They've been susceptible to the run so far. Talking about those dog shit bears who get to play the Chiefs. Uh, you know, Pacheco's obviously the starter. If you're looking for a sleeper, and that's what we're doing here, I think you could throw uh, Jet McKinnon in there this week. Like him a lot. And again, another guy playing tonight. So sorry if something goes wrong. I actually like Kendra Miller next week. He's at the Packers. They've been a little susceptible to the run so far. Nobody there has really impressed me out of the backfield. Miller, I, I would love to see him get a little more work. I know he got banged up a little while ago, but yeah, I think Miller could have a good game against the Packers, and those are my running back sleepers. Yeah, I mean, Pacheco is a fire-it-up play. I think that this could be a CEH game. <laughs> be totally Oh, there's a chance, yeah. If it gets out of hand, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because they're they're a thirteen point favorite, and I that's that's not nearly enough uh, in in my opinion. So, I mentioned Josh Kelly earlier, and I think he he ran into a bad matchup against Tennessee. Um, it never seemed like Austin Eckler was close to playing this week, so I think there's still a chance he doesn't play next week. And even if he does, he could be limited. They're going at Minnesota. Minnesota just let DeAndre Swift do whatever the fuck he wanted against them on Thursday night football. And so I would be willing to go back to the back to starting Joshua Kelly next week. So all that fab you spent on him for week two, you know, consider it a week three fab bid for him and get him back in your lineup. Raheem Mostert, not a sleeper, but clearly the only game in town while healthy going against the Denver Broncos. I think that's a guy you have to get into your lineup. Hopefully, Kendry Miller plays, but he hasn't played yet. I would love um, to see that from him. But there's also um, – as I pull this up right now in the matchups – the one other guy was uh, Rico Dowdle in a game that the Cowboys are favored by 12 and a half against the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to pound uh, Pollard again 25 times in a meaningless game. So we may get McCarthy here. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they give Rico Dowdle a little bit more work. So we're talking from sleeper territory. You look for those big spreads and you find that secondary back. I think this could be a Rico Dowdle game, which likely means it's going to be like a mini Deuce Vaughn game. Oh, gross. All right. <laughs> wide receivers. Going back to this, going back to the well against the Bears here. Kansas City wide receiver. I talked about it earlier. Hard to know where the ball's gonna go. Give me their target leader. Let's let's have a bounce back from Tony. Uh don't love it, but you know, sleepers you never love. You just crush your fingers. Another guy, Trey Palmer. I like uh, you know, you mentioned he's kind of third fiddle there, but especially coming off that big game. I think uh, the Eagles are going to try to limit Mike Evans. Godwin can't be a sleeper because everybody knows who he is. So if they really try to shut down Evans and Godwin, that means Palmer's the beneficiary. I, I, I like him in a game that's 46 is the total. So one of the higher scoring games this week. Why not get Trey Palmer involved? Looking at the Cleveland Browns, I, I put the same thing, kind of wide receiver question mark against the Titans. Their secondary is really fucking banged up. Uh, 
Donovan Peoples Jones, I'll take as my sleeper there. Thielen, I like. <laughs> Seattle's been bad. Why not get Thielen in there? Uh, can do some things against that secondary. And pick a Baltimore wide receiver. I think the Ravens have a pretty good matchup this week against the Colts. Who, who's it going to be? I mean, Zay's not a sleeper, but somebody there should have a good game uh, aside from Andrews and Zay. I think uh, we have a little Bateman spotting this week. So that's my wide receiver sleeper list. Yeah, I mean, clearly you go with their wide receiver one and Nelson Aguilar, right? Yeah, you had it teed oh, up right there for you with the Ravens. Um, you mentioned uh, the Cleveland Browns, and after this week, we won't be able to say Elijah Moore is a quote-unquote sleeper anymore because he's going off tonight against the Steelers. But yeah, I have him as a They're fourth with 7.6 yards per pass attempt uh, allowed, and Eli Moore is just going to absolutely gash them. I went to the same, let's take advantage of the Chicago Bears as they're giving up 9.1 yards per pass attempt, but I went with Marquez Valdez-Scantling because I think we could get some some deep ball action. Super deep would be Justin Watson. I think think someone's going to get them super deep. Um, in that game. And then a guy who popped this week that I still think will be a sleeper and dovetails with my Jared Goff start is Josh Reynolds, who did score the two yeah. touchdowns um, uh, this week against the Seattle Seahawks. They are going to be throwing the ball again, especially if David Montgomery is out for the week. It's clear that Josh Reynolds is the wide receiver too in uh, in Detroit right now um, behind Amon Ross St. Brown. So I think you could do far worse than starting Josh Reynolds, you know, in a deep or start three type wide receiver league this week. I like that. I like that one. All right. Tight end. I, I keep going back to these fucking games that are playing tonight. So I hope, I hope none of these guys get hurt mm. back, back to Seattle. They've been, they've been super bad defensively, but yeah. Hayden Hurst, I think is going to be my for DFS is probably my highest owned, uh, Tight end this week. I love the matchup. I think he gets involved. Not a true sleeper in this sense, but Atlanta's been bad against the tight ends. I think Laporta can have another monster game. Uh, similar to where we were going with uh, some of these guys that had a down week that people are probably going to be off of. Give me Adam Troutman. I mean, it, he, people are not going to want him because of what he did a week ago, but I think they're in a good spot here. Where's Denver playing? They lost the team. Playing the Dolphins. Dolphins have not been great against the tight end so far through two games. I think Troutman could get pretty involved and have a decent game. And a guy whose name I don't even want to say, and I'm going to say sleeper because he sucks, not because we don't know him, but Kyle Pitts, I think he has a decent game finally. Don't do it, John. Don't do it. I did. That's where I'm closing on that fucking guy. Yeah. We should probably just end the show, but I do have some guys I want to talk about. You mentioned Zach Ertz earlier. Zach Ertz currently the tight end target leader on the season with 18 targets through two weeks. Hasn't done shit with them, but they're going to need to throw the ball because they're not going to be able to do much else against Dallas. And I could see a very, what seems to be typical Zach Ertz type line this week where he catches like, you know, he gets 10 targets, catches six balls for 42 yards. And you know, you'll take that 10 points. All day at your tight end position. But the other guy I wanted to focus on was Cade Otten. I thought he would have had a better game last week. He wasn't. It was all Mike Evans. But listen, they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. My Philadelphia Eagles through two weeks have allowed the tight end one finish each week so far. Week one, <laughs> Hunter Henry had six targets, five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Week two, TJ Hawkinson got him eight 
seven catches, 66 yards, two touchdowns. Now, I'm not saying Kate Otten is on level of either of those two gentlemen, but there's a clear problem in Philadelphia, and it's straight down the middle of the field. So if we do take away Mike Evans, if we put Slay on Evans and we minimize him, I think Godwin will get his. Who else are they going to throw the ball to? Yeah, maybe Trey Palmer, but you know, hopefully, finally, Baker Mayfield looks K. Dotton's way. He's just talk about matchup, you know, and they're going to need to throw the ball to win. I think this could be like a six target, five catch, 40 yard, maybe gets in the end zone, K. Dotton week. I like it. So, and I have no fades. So, unless there's some guy you super want to fade, (laughs) I'm all ears. Like, I got some uh, bigger names this week. Uh, Evan Ingram, fade. George Kittle, fade. Don't like those matchups, especially tight end is so fun to predict because it's pretty sticky thing by thing. Uh, wide receiver, uh, I, I know they're going to get the dog shit kicked out of them, but the – well, maybe they won't get the dog – well, they should. Yes, they stink. The Arizona Cardinals, I know they'll be trailing, but I do not like uh, – <laughs> Hollywood Browns matchup against the cow, either one of the Cowboys corners, whatever side they put him on, it's going to be bad news for him. So I don't like him this week. I don't like DeAndre Hopkins and a uh, little banged up. And like you said, there's other guys emerging there in the passing game. I'm out on Amon Ross St. Brown this week, uh, running back Damian Pierce, James Cook, and the guy you were uh, gushing over earlier, Raheem Mostert. And I'm out. And at quarterbacks, I think Josh Allen has a bad matchup. Trevor Lawrence has a bad matchup. Burrow's banged up, and I don't like the matchup for him. And uh, Brock Purdy, not a big fan of uh, the Niners matchup for quarterback next week uh, at home against the Giants. I think the Giants kind of righted the ship in that second half. I think they get some things right. I think that's going to be an uglier game. The total's at 45 and a half. I love the under for that game. And those are my fades. Love your fades. I'm just going to keep it simple. My fades are Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery, and Cam Akers. For various <laughs> obvious reasons. I love the acres. That's great. So that'll do it. Yeah, because we had to record Monday, we kind of mushed two episodes into one here. So hopefully these you'll enjoy these rookie reports, especially if you're in Dynasty. Keep your eye on some of these guys. So that will do it for us. For myself, John Abari, my co-host, Matt Walker. We are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here.